Again, we see the unlimited power of Jesus, the unlimited power of God. Absolutely incredible. So the scene is this Mount of Transfiguration. And we had Jesus go up there with Peter, James and John. And they come down this mountain and there they see that there was this dispute taking place between the disciples and the crowd and some people called the teachers of the law. And then they see Jesus come down and they go to Jesus. They're actually, we're told in verse 15, they're overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. Jesus says, well, what's going on? And they describe the situation. Teacher, in verse 17, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So that is the scene in which we are considering something. Now, I want to bring to you today two points from this particular passage, which show something of the unlimited power of God or are related to that. First of all, what we see in this passage is the surpassing power and the greatness of Jesus. We're going to look at that. And secondly, very significantly in this passage, what we're going to see is the importance of prayerful dependence upon God. In fact, prayerful dependence upon God is something that is needed. That's how we're going to consider this particular passage. So two major points today. So the first one is this, the surpassing power and the greatness of Jesus is actually seen. Now, what we see in this particular Bible passage is that the disciples were unable to cast out this unclean spirit from the, uh, from the boy that the father brings uh, to them. The disciples had failed. We read in verse 18, whenever it sees him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, that's what the disciples' action was. Now, it's a rather interesting thing. What do we know of the casting out of evil spirits so far? Well, we know in Mark chapter 1 that Jesus cast out an evil spirit. We know that Jesus went throughout the countryside casting out evil spirits. He, in fact, commissioned the 12 to go through uh, the area and to be able to do likewise. And we know that they were successful. But here, they are not successful, which is a very telling point. It's a very, very serious thing for us to be able to consider. But what we see, first of all, is a contrast. The disciples failed, but Jesus was someone who succeeded. We see the surpassing power and the greatness of Jesus. I invite you to look at verses 25 to 27. Okay. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Isn't that an incredible description of what Jesus Christ did? Do you see the amazing power? Jesus rebuked, the spirit came out, 
it was such an extraordinary thing that the boy it was as if the boy uh, was dead. It was that he was much like a corpse, many said. Well, in fact, many said he's dead, in fact. And then Jesus lifted, well, took his hand and lifted him to his feet. Jesus is certainly much, much greater than the disciples we see here. The length and the severity of this particular condition that this boy was experiencing was in fact something that just shows how powerful and great Jesus Christ actually is. Jesus actually asked him, I think it's in verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So it was an incredible thing. Some throughout the ages have said that this was just a condition of epilepsy. But what we see here and we see in the other gospel writers is that they describe this as being an impure or unclean spirit. We are seeing activity of evil taking place. The disciples failed, but Jesus was successful. Jesus is greater than the disciples, just as he is greater than Moses and Elijah, which we saw in our last passage last week when he was at the top of the Mount Transfiguration, wherever that was, and Moses and Elijah appeared. And then we see that they vanished and Jesus was left. And we're left with the conclusion that Jesus is more important, more significant in God's plan. So that's the first point. We see here the surpassing power and the greatness of Jesus. And I think that that's just so wonderful for us to be able to consider. It is so refreshing, isn't it, to be reminded of who Jesus Christ is, that he has power to do things like this. He has power to do a whole range of other things. But I wonder whether that's your view of Jesus, whether you in fact realize that he is someone who is great and is powerful or do you see that he was only great and powerful in a certain period of our history the first century AD and we've moved on or other religious figures have risen arisen and have gone on to perform other things and he's just one of many of these great religious people I want us to be people who stand or sit as the case may be and worship Jesus Christ for him being the person that we read about described here and what does God call us to do? Well, in this particular passage, what we see is that we are to have prayerful dependence upon God. We are to be people who have prayerful dependence upon God. You see, what we see in this passage is an issue of faith. In verse 19, Jesus is very critical and says, You unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? He was speaking to all concerned. He was speaking about the disciples. He was speaking about the scribes who wanted to kill him. We learn in chapter 3 of Mark's Gospel in verse 6. He was speaking about uh, the crowd that was gathered there as well. He was making a generic comment about people, that they lacked faith. And what we see at the end of this passage is something very, very important. It is something about a private conference that does take place. In verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, this is after he's cured this boy, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? 
He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Jesus has criticised the generation and said that they are a faithless. Was that the word? Verse 19, an unbelieving, sorry, an unbelieving generation, but effectively a faithless generation. He's criticised them. It's a very, very serious indictment. And what were the disciples doing? His select few, what were they doing? They were seeking to cast out this unclean spirit without actually being dependent upon God in prayer. Now, this is the heart of the passage. They were people who were drawing on their own strength. They were depending upon themselves rather than upon God. They had been commissioned by Jesus to go out and to cast out unclean spirits. And they did that, and they did that successfully. But that was earlier. Time has gone on. They have become confident in their own ability. They have not depended upon God for the power that is needed to be able to perform this particular ministry or function. Can you see that in this passage? They're asking at the end, why couldn't we actually cast out this demon? Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Prayer, at the very least, is an expression of dependence, not on self, but on God. They were depending upon themselves and not upon God. Now, if I can bring up this book, what I have is a quote or two that is actually very helpful. A man called Walter W. Wessel comments, Apparently, they, the disciples, had taken for granted the power given them or had come to believe that it was inherent in themselves. So they no longer depended prayerfully on God for it, and their failure showed their lack of prayer. Over a millennium later, from this passage we're reading today, John Calvin was right to consider prayer as the principal exercise of faith. So he says they're an unbelieving generation in the passage in verse 19. And then we learned that they lacked prayer. So there is this direct connection between prayer and faith, or faith and prayer in that order. And the disciples were lacking that in what they were, were doing. It was a very sad situation that they were in. But of course, that was many years ago. But really, it's not irrelevant, is it? We can be people who depend upon our own strength instead of upon God's strength. Do you know what I'm talking about? I realise this probably every third minute of the day. Maybe not every second minute. I've got to do some things like eat sandwiches and make cups of tea and things like that. But about every third minute, I often am realising, no, I'm doing this in my own strength. Did I pray? Did I stop to pray? Can you relate to this? Surely in your own life, you have felt that you've been doing things in your own strength and then realised and been corrected and then have drawn upon God's strength and then have realised just the tremendous and unlimited power of God. Can you remember this? I find in my own life that it is so important in ministry to make sure that we are prayerfully dependent. It is uh, such a great joy to be in this church and to week by week go to a prayer meeting on a Monday. What a wonderful thing to begin the week. We have the pleasure of being able to meet at lunchtime on a Monday 
And if you're ever able to tune in on your lunch break, we would welcome you. And we come prayerfully dependent, asking that God would expand his church here in Mudgee. We do it week in and week out. And some might say, well, why don't we do it just once a month? Well, the danger is, of course, is that we start to depend upon ourselves. Prayer is so incredibly important. I also think of this in regards to services. I'm just giving you a few examples. There will be ones that will be more relevant to your life. But I can assure you, every service in which I have not prayed before, or every sermon that I've given in which I've not prayed before, has really not gone as well as I would have liked it to have gone. And it is just, it's so contrary to our nature to stop and to be able to prayerfully express our dependence upon God. It's an act or an expression of faith. In your own lives, each day comes, each sunrise comes. Are you someone who is actually prayerfully dependent upon God as you begin each day? It is contrary to our nature. But if we're not, well, we are in very great danger of taking things in our own strength and how limited and how dwindling that strength is. I want to encourage you today to be people who do not do things in your own strength. Some of you are facing incredible challenges, health, life challenges, work challenges, and if you're not, they're going to come, and they may, may very well come today or tomorrow, and so on and so forth. And from this passage, what we see is the importance of being prayerfully dependent upon God. We need to have an attitude of helplessness, not of independence from God. We need to come to God helpless, saying, you are the only one in which I can actually draw strength from. Not coming independent, not coming with everything together, as if, you know, God is some, you know, your co-equal or below you, but we are to be coming with, a, with an absolute expression of um, helplessness. And one of the really beautiful illustrations of this is this incredibly famous verse. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That attitude of that father was one of helplessness. He said he does believe, which is a wonderful thing, but help me overcome my unbelief. He realized that he was not everything that he could be, and he's coming to Jesus. He's concerned for his son. It's an expression of helplessness. Now, this is very contrary to what we're told in the world. We've got to have everything together. We've got to be strong in ourselves and all these sorts of things. Don't be like that. Don't listen to that. Be strong in the Lord. And the way we're strong in the Lord is by depending upon him. Now, hopefully as you're listening and have, have listened, you are relating to this. You can identify episodes in your life where this has been true. And I really do think that God's word to us is that we need to be absolutely prayerfully dependent upon God. But surely you must be like me and like other human beings. We are people who have not done that. There are many services where I've been only half-hearted in starting them in prayer. There are many days where I might not have even prayed. 
as I've gone into, into, into the day with all of the things that can arise. I don't want to list all my sins. I, I love praying, but there are lots and lots of times in which I've not been dependent upon God. I've taken things in in my own strength, tried to do it, and it's very often not worked out well. We are people who've not done what we ought to do. We have not trusted in God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if that's you, that, does, that just doesn't make you a good sinner, is if you're not one of those really bad sinners, you know, that are in Wellington jail or something like that and are actually guilty. We're all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God and we all will face judgment and would have to take the penalty that we deserve for that. And that is separation from God, which the Bible says and Jesus says very clearly is hell. So it's a very serious matter. We are to be prayerfully dependent upon God. The fact of the matter is that we're not. And if you say that you are, I think after just a minute's cross-examination, you will be found floundering. We are people who've fallen very greatly short. And this is a major, major problem because of what I've just outlined. But what I also want to point out is something incredibly wonderful. And I think we'll begin with scripture to show it. Mark chapter 1, which you don't have unless you brought a Bible, but it's okay, it's only one verse, and I'll read it to you. From verse 35, what we read is Jesus being in the midst of a very busy ministry in which he has driven out many demons and healed lots of people. And then we read in verse 35 of chapter 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He was someone who was in the midst of a very busy diary, very busy itinerary, but he was someone who prioritised prayer. And I think people came along and they wanted him to go off and to do various things. In fact, they said, everyone's looking for you. Come and heal all of these people. But Jesus was someone who prioritised prayer. Jesus was prayerfully dependent upon his father. Can you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember when he was there just before he was going to be crucified and he was praying to his father that his will would be done. He was prayerfully dependent. This is Jesus. He was prayerfully dependent upon his father. And what we have been learning in Mark's gospel, what we saw quite prominently last week and what we see also this week is that Jesus has died upon the cross or would die as the story unfolds upon the cross so that our sins can be forgiven. I'll give you a sneak peek into the next chapter, into the next passage in chapter 9, verse 30. Then they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. That is where Jesus is headed in this story. Fortunately, we're on the other side of the cross and we look back and see what he has done. And what we learn that he has done is that he has paid the penalty that we deserve. We are people who are forgiven for all of our sins and not least of all, our taking of tasks and things into our own strength instead of being prayerfully dependent upon God. I don't know what it is for you right at this moment in which you are not doing that, in which you need to repent and change. 
I don't know what it will be for you or for me this week in which I need to be prayerfully dependent upon God. But we need to be prayerfully dependent upon God. And thanks be to God that we are even forgiven for all of our failures in the past. But how do we go forward? Do we just do this? Do we just obey this? Well, it's very, very difficult to be able to, to do. I think the only way that we can be prayerfully dependent upon God is by actually looking to the scriptures and seeing what is this accurate record of what has actually happened, of the power, the unlimited power of God. This Bible talk is titled that, the unlimited power of God. We see that in this passage. The disciples didn't have the power. Jesus had the power. Jesus is God. There we see the unlimited power of God. So we need to look to Jesus. But if we're not looking to Jesus, but looking to the Old Testament where we don't see Jesus as pronounced, well, we still see the power of God. And that's a foreshadowing anyway of Jesus. So we look to God's word to be able to be strengthened. But I want to keep it simple. We need to look to Jesus. And it's rather neat. And I only noticed this just before I was coming down. But I want to draw your attention to just two more verses, verse 15 and then also verse 25. We see a consistency. I'll show it to you in a moment. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And then in verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, okay, it's a bit further on in the scenario, he rebuked the impure spirit, and what we learn is that he commanded that evil spirit to, or unclean spirit to be removed. What do you notice as being consistent between verse 15 and verse 25? The crowd was running to him. The crowd was running to Jesus. Why were they running to Jesus? They were overwhelmed with wonder, we're told in that verse 15. Well, his reputation had become known. He was known to be the person who had the power to be able to deal with the condition that was in debate at that particular time. Jesus is the one that we are to run to. That's how we are to be people who um, are able to be prayerfully dependent. We are to look to Jesus. We are to run to him to look at him, to examine him, to be reminded of who he is, to study him. And then we are people who will more instinctively, it will become more natural, we will be people who will become more prayerfully dependent upon God. So that is the call of God. It shows us also, we've seen today, that we fall short. But it is great news to see that Jesus was someone who was prayerful, who died for us. And when we trust in him and look to him in the scriptures, it's then that we are people who are able to be prayerfully dependent upon God. Because when you read about Jesus and you believe that that's actually true and it is fact, well, why would you want to go anywhere else? So that's how we are to be prayerfully dependent, by looking to Jesus and seeing how Awesome he is. What did they say he was? They were overwhelmed with wonder. We had to look to Jesus and see how wonderful he is.